Well, if you're not blessed yet, we'll try to get you there by the end of the service. That's what we're supposed to do, right? <laughs> Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. I have two waters. It's a double portion. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. I know we're two days away, but it's just like for those of us that uh, celebrate our birthdays for a whole week or a month. It's Christmas time. Come on. Christmas season. John, did you get translated in the spirit? Because you were worshiping over there, and then you like, it's amazing how you did that. That's brilliant. Um, I want to uh, I want to preach to you this morning, and uh, I'm excited uh, about. Are you who's excited? Not just about Christmas. By the way, let me ask you this first: Are you all ready for Christmas? Who's not ready for Christmas? Who needs prayer? Okay. Who, uh, husbands that are in the room, who, uh, who has not shopped for their wives yet? Raise your hand. All right, we're going to definitely pray for you because you only got two days left, guys. Now, I tried to do that, and it just sometimes, it, I, it used to be like a, a, a tradition, Christmas Eve, I would shop for my wife. And it was just like, a, you know, but don't shake your head because I've lavished my wife with good gifts, like the father. Come on, somebody. And, and I, but one year it didn't work out that well because I would go to the fashion show mall. Laris would come with me, okay? And we would eat at, uh, what's the name of that place? Oh, nope. <laughs> Cheesecake Factory. And we would have huevos rancheros on Christmas Eve after we shop, right? Well, one year Christmas landed on a weekday and we went to the fashion show mall. It closed early. I was literally running from place to place I'm like, Laris, I need you to go to this store. I think I sent him to Victoria's Secret. He wasn't married yet. Ah! No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm like running from store to store. And man, so I, I repented from shopping for my wife on Christmas Eve. So let me just encourage you husbands that still need to shop for your wives. You better get out there after this church service. Get it done. Say, get it done. So I'm excited about Christmas, but I'm also excited about the new year, and I'm excited about what God has in store. Sometimes I think, you know, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a little Christmassy message to you. It's going to be a little Christmassy. I'll, I'll put some glitter on there, you know what I'm saying? But um, really, though, this is kind of a, a word that's, that's stirring in my heart, and it's a prophetic word for the new year. And, uh, and so I'm fired up today. I don't know about you. I need my 10 a.m. service, though, to put on the garment of praise. Come on. I need you, I need you to put on some amens, some oh me's, oh my's, whatever you feel like doing, some shikabahai's, you know, come on, somebody. And uh, some come on, somebody's. Let's work on that real quick. Say, come on, somebody. Wow. You all need that. Now that's better. That's better. <laughs> I was going to say, some of y'all really need to get saved. Okay, you come on, somebody needs some help. So I, I'm going to be preaching out of Acts chapter 12. And, and I want to talk uh, to you a little bit today about the nearness of God and times of breakthrough. Are you all ready for that? Let's read um, Acts chapter 12. Uh, and we're going to read verses 5 um, until whenever I'm led. Amen. All right, it says here, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer, say constant prayer, was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, 
That night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to them, Put on your garment and follow me. And he went out and followed him. First, I'm going to just paraphrase a little bit here and stop for a moment. He thought it was a dream, realized it wasn't a dream, showed up to where the saints were praying for him, knocked on the door. A lady named Rhoda heard the knock. Then she heard Peter's voice. She got so excited, she forgot to answer the door, ran inside to tell them as they're praying for Peter that Peter was at the door. And they said, you're tripping, lady. That's his spirit. Says a lot about their prayer meeting. Come on, somebody. And then they realize it is Peter. Open the door. They celebrate. Peter was delivered from prison. They're tripping. He tells them to be quiet and listen to what God did. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you about the nearness of God. Now, how many know, like, you know, Christmas is, is such a, it's the most wonderful time of the, who sings Christmas songs like everywhere you go right now? Come on, somebody. No. Who does not like Christmas music? Wow. You need to come tonight and get saved. Praise God. Christmas, comedy, communion, caroling, praise God. And crackers. And what else? Anything else? Graham crackers too. Cookies. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> So, you know, I love Christmas, but how many of you know, it's sometimes for some people, it's a difficult season, right? And so I want to talk to you about those difficult seasons in our life, and I want to talk to you about breakthrough and the spirit of breakthrough, because sometimes we don't realize it is in the darkest hours is when God's light can clearly be visible. And, and I, you know, I, I have not been saved that long. Um, but, but I know now that God is faithful, and if he's done it before, he'll do it again. And I have an encouraging word for you today. As you step into 2019, this word is going to just launch you into the new year with great anticipation for what God's going to do. Now, how many know that there are things that are entrenched in our minds, like we think certain ways, and we don't realize that there are, it's like ingrained in us. Like how many know there are some things that are ingrained in our minds that are good? Now, I, I, I'll give you one example. My dad always raised me and he always said this. He said, he raised me with this thought process. He said, if I was going through a hard time, he said, turn the page, buddy, and just move on. And I was ingrained with this outlook on life to be positive and not to hold on to the things that were dragging me down. How many can say that's a good word? And sometimes I remind myself, and I try to teach my kids that, and it's like, you know, and it's to the point where I don't like negativity. Now, there are times that something might seem negative, but really it's something being exposed that needs to be dealt with. I'm not talking about overly optimistic and ignoring problems. Can you say amen? But I'm talking about healthy ways of thinking. Now, there are unhealthy ways of thinking, and how many, um, how many ever watched Sesame Street growing up? Anybody? How many still watch Sesame Street? You're in church, don't even lie. I still watch it every once in a while just to comfort me in times of distress. No, I'm just kidding. But how many remember, how many remember Grover? Good old Grover. Come on, somebody. Oscar the Grouch, Big Bird, all those lovely folks. And Grover did this thing, and it's so vivid. 
And I want to talk about it this morning. We're going to preach on Grover. Turn, open your Bibles to 1 Grover, chapter 2. <laughs> Grover would do this thing, and he would do this thing with his arms, and he would, he would say, near, with the Grover voice, right? And then he would back up, and he would go, far. How many of you remember that? Am I making this up, or did it really happen on Sesame Street? So I remember, and he would do this over and over, and obviously trying to teach kids the difference between near and far. Now, for some reason, as I grew up, I was raised Catholic, and, and then I became born again, and I'm encountering God, and I'm like, man, God loves me, you know, I'm, this is just kind of different. I, I thought God was kind of distant, and, and the understanding of Jesus being the revelation of the Father, like Jesus didn't just come, and he did not come to appease the Father's wrath. God so loved the world that he gave his son. God didn't, was not so angry at the world that he gave his son so that he could love the world again. Come on, somebody. Like, that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus is the revelation of the love of God. And so I'm learning, like, well, God's close. And in the incarnation, you see the nearness of God, God becoming flesh. God became human and joined himself to us. In our darkest hour, in our darkest place, in humanity's darkness, Jesus come and he shines light in the midst of all our hurt and pain. Can you say amen? And I've learned that there's things that have been entrenched in my mind where it's like, well, God's far right now. Okay, now he's close. How many have ever thought that? Now, we hear things, we say things like he's close. I say this often. I've written it in a song. God is closer than we can comprehend. There's a song that says he's closer than the air that we breathe. But we still feel sometimes like, well, I'm crying out to God and I'm wondering why it seems like he's not answering. Now, if we were honest, we would all say, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, I'm there right now. Come on, somebody. And, and I, you know, uh, growing up uh, as a parent, uh, growing up as a parent, that's just such an interesting statement. But it's true because when you have kids, you're never ready to have kids. And you don't, like, you could go to every parenting class but until you actually change a diaper and actually get up and actually feed your own kid, come on somebody, and actually like start, like, okay, taking on a, a father's heart for a child now, or a mother's heart for a child. We read some parenting books. One of them, I don't recommend, you know, there's that saying, chew up the meat, spit out the bones. Well, this was like, there's hardly any meat on this book. It was written by a Christian doctor. That doesn't mean anything, by the way. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. This book was called Baby Wise. And we, we tried to adopt some methods for our children. I remember uh, we, we wanted our children to sleep through the night. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And, uh, and man, I mean, like sleep's important, Right. And, and so we want our kids to sleep through the night. So we did this thing where, well, they, they tell you to just let the baby cry in the crib for a little while until they fall asleep. And then there's like time. But now listen, when you're uh, moms, moms, there is, a, there is a cry that only your ear hears, and that is the cry of your baby. Come on, somebody. And, you, and, and so it was very difficult for my wife. It was difficult for me. And we're trying to do this baby-wise thing, thinking, yes, we're doing the right thing. You know? And we're talking like little newborns. Now, we don't recommend that now to parents. Like we, we're, we're fine with like cuddling and, and bonding and you know, let the baby sleep with, with mom and dad, and we're okay with that. And, and, and there's times where you know, the baby will sleep in the room, and, 
and, uh, and there's, there's something about it that's really powerful. And, you know, parents do what they feel best. But here's what happened is one, one of our babies is crying and we're just tormented by what, what are we doing here, like letting our child cry? And we've learned some things work, some things, how many know parenting is a process? So I grew up as I was parenting and I've learned that something, now has it ever felt to you, I don't know about you, but I, have you ever felt like you're crying out to God and you're like, where the heck is God right now? Not realizing, now I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to overthink like, well, does God allow us to feel alone? So, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, no, he's closer. We're imperfect parents. God's a perfect father. How much more is the father near to those that are brokenhearted, to those that are crying out? Come on, we're never alone. He is with us. He's for us. He lives inside of us. He's closer than the air we breathe. But the reality is we do go through stuff and we wonder where God is. Is he Far or is he near, Grover? Come on, somebody. And I want to share this story with you because this, uh, this is such a Christmas message. Peter's in prison. I mean, you know, there's a Christmas tree in there, I'm sure, and it wasn't even the Christmas season, but I just have to preach out of Acts chapter 12. I want you to go to verse 5 with me, and I want to read through this. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now, I could preach sermons on this one verse. And can I just say to you that I want you to remember that there is not one prayer that you have prayed that God has not heard. Don't ever think that there is not power in your prayer. That word constant is a word that expresses authenticity. It expresses intention and it expresses passion. You know, my wife and I have conversations about prayer times and prayer meetings, and sometimes, um, you know, we, well, we have in the past attended prayer meetings, and they're just really, really boring. I mean, if I can't be honest in church, and I can't be honest at all, hello? But one, uh, one time I realized, like, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater like prayer. The spirit of prayer is so important. And what we need to do is just make our prayer gatherings more alive. And, and really learn that there's something about the spirit of prayer. And as we step into this next year, we are going to see strategic, intentional, passionate, and authentic corporate prayer gatherings come together as a church, small groups in the homes, but also monthly gatherings, come on somebody, within our church body because prayer doesn't just change things. Prayer doesn't just change you. Prayer changes everything. I feel like I'm preaching 10 times better than you're responding and that's okay because I'm gonna have an altar call by the end of this service and you shall be saved. Come on, Africa shall be saved. 10 a.m. shall be saved. Hallelujah. Okay. So in Acts chapter 12, let's continue reading. It says, when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping him in prison. Now, let me just bring to your attention, this, this was Herod's, uh, the Herod that we read about in the Christmas story. This was his grandson. Now, do you remember the Herod uh, in the Christmas story? This was the first Herod, actually. 
Do you remember that he, he put out a decree to kill the little babies? Do you remember that? And they had to flee. There's, there's something about a, a, like a spirit that tries to kill the seed. And there is something in this text about how the enemy will come and try to rob the promise of God from your heart and from your soul in your most dark hour. This was Herod's grandson. There, there's some sort of element to... Now, sometimes I think we wonder why there's... You know, we have all this abortion that goes on. And, and I'm not going to get into the whole abortion debate. But we know, like, as believers, like, we're not pro-killing babies, period. Right? Now, and it's complicated. And, and it, it can become political. But if we just focus on life and the kingdom of God, I think in most cases we can, we can say that we are not for murder, whether it's in the womb or outside of the womb. All right, I'm glad I'm preaching to a bunch of saved people that have value for life in here. But I'm not just talking about that, but you know, we look at in the time of Jesus, in the time of Moses, the same thing happened. Why? Because when there's a deliverer being raised up, the enemy smells something and he always tries to wipe out the seed because there's so much promise and power in the seed, he's scared. Now there are seeds in your life there are promises in your heart, and the devil is afraid of them. I'm telling you, and we don't realize that sometimes there's promises, and we think that we're just in the, the problem or in the dark hour, but there's actually promises under the surface of the ground. There's seeds. Even when the ground is fallow, and it seems like it's impossible for a blade or fruit to come forth. There is, in fact, life beneath the surface of what is visible and what can be seen. We have to have eyes to see and ears to hear and understand that even when we feel like the enemy's trying to wipe us out, God's trying to get us to rise up and bring breakthrough and cause breakthrough for those that are around us. And I'm reading in the story, and I... I've been, I've been like marinating on this word that I have. And I've been marinating on this word. And, and I believe that, uh, that there's something really significant in this word. And it's, it's going to come alive to you. And, and here's what it's going to do. It's going to resurrect the promises that you've even forgotten about. There's hidden promises in your heart that have been forgotten. Now, I want you to think about something with me in the story. Do you realize that this was the time of the Passover? Peter's in prison. The first apostle had just been martyred. Not Stephen. He wasn't considered an apostle. Stephen was martyred, but then James was killed by the sword. If you read the beginning of the text in chapter 12, it tells us this. So now imagine being in Peter's situation. He's in prison. He's going to be tried, and he's probably going to be killed. He probably feels like this is it. And how many know Peter's history? Last time, you know, uh, he, he's in a life or death situation when they take Jesus, he denies the Lord. As a matter of fact, this was a, in the time of the Passover. Years have gone by. Now, how many have ever had anything traumatic happen to you? Everyone raise their hand in the room. And in that time, or suffer great loss, 
you know, you, you, you see this a lot in, uh, in, in this season that we're in. Depression settles in. People lose loved ones. And now I want you to think about Peter denied the Lord right around this time in his life. Not only is he sitting in pr prison, probably thinking he's going to die, but he might be like reiterating in his mind his past failures and his past defeats, and he's trying to overcome these thoughts. And so there's something that happens that's very significant. And as he's sitting in there, I believe that he began to hear a whisper from the Holy Spirit. It's in the moments, and the Bible says he's sleeping, and uh, maybe he should have been praying, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to judge Peter. He's the rock, you know. But I, I believe that there was a whisper of heaven that began to resound because he thought about not just his past failures, but his past encounters. If I jump back to John 21, I'm going to jump over and I just want to read something to you. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up and read it with me. In John 21, most of you know the story when Jesus appears to the disciples. And how many know the Bible says Peter needed special attention? <laughs> how many in here need special attention from the Lord? Yes, you do. You're, he just loves you so much. <laughs> You're his favorite. Don't tell all the other kids. You're his favorite. I remember years ago listening to this, uh, this worship CD. Actually, it was a tape. <laughs> Yeah, it was a long time ago. And uh, I was born in 75, so I'm not that old. Um, I did have some eight tracks my uncle gave me. I, and it was, it was all good ones. I should have kept him. Bob Marley and like some legit eight tracks. Come on, somebody. So I'm listening to a tape of Kent Henry. And he's, how many of you know who Kent Henry is? Worship leader. And he's leading worship. And he moves into intercession and he's praying for people. And, and I just I had this encounter with God. I'll never forget it. My heart was branded with something. And I remember he's reading Jeremiah 31, uh, I think 31.3, where God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I've drawn you with my loving kindness. And Kent Henry just starts saying, you're just his little baby. He's just kissing you right now. And I'm just like, this is kind of creepy. But then I felt the kisses of Papa. And I'll never forget the gentle restoration of the love of God, the affection of the Father. And the Bible says Peter needed some special attention. And Jesus restored him. And how many of you know the story? He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, Lord, do you know I love you? Come on, have you ever been there? Lord, do you have affection? Or Peter, do you have affection for me? Lord, you know that I love you. And, and he says it three times, and it's significant. But then Jesus says something to him that I believe was the promise inside the promise, the seed that we might not see, hello, that resounded in his heart and was made evident and manifest through Acts chapter 12. Let's read it together, verse 18. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger... You girded yourself and walked where you wanted. But when you are old, will you say that with me? Say, when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish to go. Now, if you read in Acts 12, the angel says something to him that's literally the opposite of those words that Jesus said. 
The angel says to him, first of all, what does he say? He, first of all, he hits him on his side. I love that. I, I don't know if there's something holy about that. I want, who wants to get struck by an angel? Not judgment. Like on the side, just push. We're praying for angels to manifest. Push, and Peter gets hit. On the, some of us need that in our life. Yes, special attention. Hallelujah. So I just threw that in there. He says, arise. The angel says, rise up. Now listen, he is in chains and there's, there's guards around him. He's probably hoping that his chains fall off, but the angel doesn't say chains be broken. The angel says, rise up. And when he rises up, the chains are broken. Sometimes we're waiting for something, some freedom to come, some special word from God or someone to prophesy over us, not realizing, realizing that God just wants you to get up off your Royal, to put in the words of my sister Tony, royal butts, because we got a lot of butts, but God, but this, but that, always making excuses, and we feel like we're, in, we're bound, we feel like we're in a dark place, but the angel says, rise up quickly. I like that word, quickly. Anyone have children that takes an hour to brush their teeth in the morning when they're getting up in the morning? Come on, somebody. Get up, get up, come on, get up, quickly, get up, rise up, it's time. Don't wait, you have things to do. Now here's what the angel says to him. He says, it, first of all, the chains just fell off of his hands. Being, now we cannot forget the power of the gospel. Can I just, I'm gonna just insert this in the message right here. Don't forget that we preach the good news and we need to continue to hear the good news that proclaims liberty to the captives. I don't care what you're struggling with. Remember the good news. I'm, I'm for programs. I'm for things that help us. Come on. I'm for clinical work. I'm for medication at times. But I want to remind you that Jesus said that the anointing of the Holy Spirit was upon him to preach the good news to the poor, to set the captives free. Come on. Recovery of sight to the blind. The good news is enough. We don't need to find something behind Jesus or aside from Jesus. The gospel's enough. Jesus did it. Come on. And he gives us grace and he gives us mercy and he proclaims freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To all those that are oppressed. Come on. And so there is a freedom in the gospel. His chains just fell off. Rise up. The chains fell off. And it says, here, look what the angel says. Gird yourself and put on your sandals. Put on your garment and follow me. How many know the angel didn't dress him or carry him? Do you remember what Jesus said to him? Jesus said to him, when you're young, you'll dress yourself and go where you want to go. When you're old, another will carry you and another will dress you. Here's the word of the Lord. When you are old. When you are old. I'm not talking about your age. You know what God's saying to us? When you are old, when you are old, there's still promises to fulfill. Come on. There's still things I got to do. There's still seeds underneath the ground that maybe I've forgotten. There, there might, it might feel like I'm in despair and hopeless, but how many know that God brings breakthrough? God brings light in our darkest hour, and he commands us, rise up. And Peter, this was not his hour. Can I just encourage you? I'm not talking about age, but when you are old, God is saying that there is, he's not done with you. There's promises inside of you. Come on. And there's something that happens when we believe the promises of God 
and we cling to what the Father has said over our lives. I'm telling you, the Lord is resurrecting hope inside of you. And some people don't like messages like this because we like to hold on to our chains and we like to remain in dark places because we like pity parties. But that spirit is not from God. Oh, pastor, you just stepped on my toes. Yes, I did. And I was happy to do so. I'm reminded of scriptures like many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Can you say amen? But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Come on. I'm reminded of scriptures that says the Lord will cause your enemies to be defeated before your face. They'll come at you one way and flee seven ways. Come on. I love that. I could just see him scattering seven ways. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Come on. How many know that he's encamped angels around about us? How many know that we have authority over the enemy? And if we remember that we have this authority, we rise up, chains fall off. We bring the breakthrough in our darkest hour. And there are resurrected promises. There are promises that God has spoken over you. There are promises that God has spoken over your kids. There are promises, oh, shambra sayata. There are promises that he's spoken over your family. There are promises that he's spoken over your city. There are promises spoken over that nation you're praying for. There are promises spoken over your life. Come on, your spouse, your church community. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. When you are old, Peter hears these words resounding in his heart. When you are old. Wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say, I remember that encounter when he restored me. And after this moment, I guarantee you, this season around Passover time, all oh, the depression settling in because I denied the Lord. And he's regurgitating and reiterating all of his past failures. Oh, remember, this was the time. Peter, shut up, man. That was a long time ago. Don't you remember what happened when we had that fish and bread barbecue on the beach when Jesus showed up in resurrection power. Wait a minute. I do remember that. And he said, do you love me? And I'm like, yeah. And all that stuff happened. But then he said something so significant. Sometimes we forget the significance of the voice of God in our hour of distresses. That's why we need to be around prophetic people, not to get another prophecy to get us through. You need to hear from God yourself. You need to get around prophetic people. Why? Because you can value what they value. You honor them and receive the reward of the prophet. What's the reward of a prophet hearing the voice of God and proclaiming what God is saying in the earth and Peter I'm telling you Peter heard these words when you are old when you are old when you are old when you are old he's thinking I'm still a young buck I might be in in prison I might be in shackles but guess what God is going to do a suddenly God's going to show up when I least expect come on give God a shout of praise right now in this place I truly believe that this is a prophetic word for where we're at, where you're at, and where we are headed. Come on. There are resurrection, there's resurrection power coming to the promises that are unseen beneath the fallow ground of our hearts. It doesn't matter what we've been through, where we've gone. It doesn't matter if we feel like there's a cycle of defeat. That cycle is being broken right now with revelation. 
when you are old, when you are old, dress yourself, Peter, get up. This ain't your hour. It's not, I know James just died, but it's not your time. I want you to think about this. You've still got things to do in the earth. You've still got promises to fulfill. There are things that God put in your heart. Don't forget who you are and where you came from. Come on. Don't forget that you partake of divine nature and you've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. The Bible says that we partake of his divine nature. Come on. We have everything we need for life and godliness. You know what that word life is? It's zoe. Your firstborn baby. That's prophetic for both of you. Zoe is abundant life. It's the same word that Jesus used in John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't forget that it's not God that's stealing, killing, and destroying. It's the thief. But Jesus said, but I have come, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. What is Zoe? Zoe is the life as God has it. Zoe is living beyond existence. Zoe is waking up and realizing that I have to take ownership over what God has given me and steward the promises of God. Come on, wage warfare over the promises of God. Just like Paul told Timothy's son, don't forget what God's spoken over your life. Zoe life. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. I love this story. Let's keep reading here, and then we're going to close. The angel of the Lord comes, hits him on the side. Get up, son. Put your clothes on. Put your sandals on. Let your feet be shod with the gospel. The power of the gospel. The power of proclaiming the reign of the king. It doesn't just apply to the actual gospel, start proclaiming the reign of the kingdom over these shackles and these dark places. Proclaim the reign of the kingdom. Father, let the reign of your love come on this situation. We need the reign of the love of God. We need the reign of his love. And sometimes if our, the ground of our heart is fallow, even rain can make it more fallow. We need a good word to break up that fallow ground. Hosea says it's time to break up that fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness upon you. The promise in Hosea, it's time to break up your fallow ground. Notice that the prophet doesn't say God's going to break up your fallow ground. You need to break up your fallow ground. You need to let that bitterness go. You need to not resent God. It wasn't God that did it. It was the thief. You need to let that thing go. You need to rise up and let the chains fall off because the promises of God are much more important than the problems that we are clinging to. Can you say amen? So the angel says, gird yourself, put on your garment, follow me. He realizes he realizes that it's not a dream. And he knocks on the door of the prayer meeting, that faith-filled prayer meeting, and Rhoda answers the door. I mean, I'm telling you, church, would we be astounded if the things that we prayed for actually happened? Now, can I just say this? I have seen a room filled with people and everyone in the room is on their faces. 
a city called Sin City. And God brands it and says, no, 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 no. It's Revival City. I've seen it. I've seen church political walls come down, racial walls come down. I've seen, I've seen it. I've seen these are promises. These are promises from God. And you know, at this point in my life, there are times I'll say something like, something silly. You know, we say silly things sometimes, right? I'm like, God, why couldn't you have given me this 10 years ago? Like, you know, when we planted the church, we were going through it financially. Well, before that, you know, before the market crashed and all that, we had hundreds of thousands in equity and all this stuff. I'm like, God, why couldn't we plant a church when we had all this money? And we say things, you know, like, why couldn't I have had this person in my life back like 12 years ago when I really needed him? How many have ever been there? And sometimes, and I don't know how this works, but sometimes we want to rush it. But God says, you're not going to value what I'm giving you if you don't learn what it's like to not have it. But when you have it, you treasure it. And we have to believe God, not only that he resurrects the promises below the surface, below the fallow ground, and breaks through in our need, in our time of depression, in our time of darkness, in our time of despair, come on somebody, and bring freedom and hope. But we also have to pray that we would anticipate suddenlies, come on. I wanna close with a, a story, something that actually happened a couple days ago, so it's fresh in my mind. I've been praying for a, for suddenlies in my family. And when I say that, what I mean is I've been praying for just our family devotion time with the Lord to increase. What we don't do, just so you know, we don't like our kids to feel like they're pastor's kids when they're at our dinner table. They're our kids first. Remember Larry Titus said that to us, changed my life spiritual father in my life. He said, they're your kids first. Don't make them behave a certain way because they're pastor's kids. They're your kids. And so I had this dream and uh, aren't you glad that sometimes prophetic things are metaphorical? My wife did a very firm yes on the front row and you're going to know why right now. I had a dream that she was pregnant with our sixth child. And, uh, I woke up from a sleep, <laughs> scared. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's going to kick me out. I'm calling Christine right now. Christine, get the intercessors praying. No, I had a dream that she was pregnant. And I believe it was a metaphor. And the baby's name was a little girl. And we we're so happy. And her name was Isabella. I like to say it like that too. I don't know why. You know what Isabella means? Devotion. There's something about devotion to prayer, to the presence of God that's burrowing inside of us. It's alive inside of us and it's coming forth into greater fruition. And so a couple days ago, was it two days ago? Layla is, uh, I know we have a service in five minutes, but I'm, I'm still good. So you gotta be good too. Layla's preparing for her next greatest showman, open mic night. 
she's five and she loves to perform for people. She's just, that's who she is. And I love it. And, and she's, she has a song on and Hannah is her little choreographer, you know, and they work together and Hannah's like, okay, do it right this time, Layla. Like she's serious. And, and I said, Layla, why don't you do a dance next open mic to a worship song? And Layla's like, oh, she loves worship. To this day, she's just, oh, I love worship. And she, we put on worship and she just like, just starts doing her thing. And it's like, it's anointed, man. It's like, wow. And I'm like, Hannah, because Hannah's way anointed for this. And I'm like, Hannah, go show her. And Hannah's kind of timid. She walks up. She's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, give me a break, Hannah. Just pretend we're not watching. And Hannah does this thing. She gets on her knees. And she goes like this with her hands. And as she bows, she lowers her hands. And her fingertips kind of do this right here. And I literally saw angels commanded to worship as she bows. And the presence of God filled our living room. And we're all like, look. Because when Jesus manifests, beauty turns the heart. Hearts bow. Oh, his manifest presence. God comes in a room. And we're all just kind of like, whoa, this is, this is a trip. Then it progresses. Rochelle goes up and leads the pack. You've never seen her dance like this, but my wife, that's where they get it. And she's moving with such grace. And you could feel the heart of the Father and the pleasure of the Father over you in that moment, couldn't you? And your daughters were just following you because you're a good mama. And the presence of God just got more tangible. Then we're sitting down there on the couch. Hannah's crying. We're talking about everything that happened. David's just trying to go to his room, but he couldn't. Sitting on the top of the stairs. Why? Because the Spirit was drawing and calling. Then we all end up sitting down there. We're all kind of teary-eyed, and God's so good. And then I said, kids, and you don't know what an honor it was for me in this moment. I said, kids, would you pray for Dad? I just would love it if all of you would just pray and prophesy over me. So I laid flat on my face, and one by one, they began to pray the sweetest, most beautiful prayers. David, I don't really have a word, but, and then the but was followed by prophetic things, and everyone's crying, eh, it's not, I mean, you know the ugly cry face, like right now, I got tears coming down, but you don't see ugly cry face, in this moment, nope, my, I was face down for the purpose that you couldn't see, I was like, <laughs> I let out a couple of those, powerful, times of devotion, suddenlies, where God comes, and as a family, it was so beautiful to be able to pray for one another. And then Layla, at the end, they pray for me, we pray for Rochelle. Then Layla, she's so cute. I saw, they saw the same thing in the spirit as they're praying over Rochelle. They say, yeah, I saw feathers on your shoulders. They were burdens. Did you guys get that? Oh, is that a burden? Oh, it looks like a feather. <laughs> get off in Jesus' name. There's so much beauty. I, I, we recorded this moment. I listened to it this morning, crying on the way to church. <laughs> Layla's prayer. I pray. <coughs> she's crying. I pray that daddy, in just the most pure, loving prayer, this spirit of devotion to the manifest presence, to the word of God, and to corporate prayer, and to resurrecting these promises and waging warfare, warfare over the promises of God. Let it come 
into your heart and life. Let God brand you with that right now. I want you to lift up your hands right now, and I want you to pray with me. Would you just pray in the Holy Spirit?